Oh, and the, and the humidity here, I think, definitely oh, yeah. affects things. Oh, yeah. So I lived in of... Austin for a number of years, so. Oh, I love Austin. Yeah, I would yeah, gladly. Yeah, not at all like Houston, but. No. But no. Houston's pretty cool. My son lived there uh, before he moved uh, out uh, to where he's at now, so. Right. Where's he at now? He's in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm, His wife nice. works for the university there. Yeah, Birmingham is actually quite nice. The rest of Alabama, maybe not so much. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they have well, fine roads. It's actually a beautiful country. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm just kidding around. Uh, I had a real good time when I was there. So, uh, um, But Birmingham is really a cool town. <laughs> I was very impressed. Wow, that's great. And where, where are you at right now? I am in Northern California. I'm oh, lovely kind of midway between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. Okay. So a couple of three hours outside of the Bay Area. Awesome. Well, my hoarding. goal is I, I'm hoarding uh, arcade games. I, I think I'm in about 75 cabinets now. Um, but I also own a DeLorean and uh, the van from Napoleon Dynamite and uh, some other uh, kit, you know, from Knight Rider, those movie cars. And my goal is to open up something like a private event space so that can, you can have games or go look at movie cars. You should talk like to that. Ernie Klein. I mean, he lives in Austin in any event, right? Ernie doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't really talk to us. I guess I could try, but. Yeah, I guess he you know. probably, a lot of people get in touch with him all the time. Yeah, yeah. Hitting through the, the static of all of the fans is just, you yeah. know, daunting. Unless it's not what you know, it's who you know. So exactly. I guess if I found somebody else that knows him, then that could get me in my, my introduction that way. So um, I do know somebody, but he doesn't know Ernie. <laughs> Let's see. Are we live? Is it working? I think it is. Let me just reload over here. I can see your levels. Yes. I can see your levels now. I hear you. There we We're go. We're done. Wow, the longest. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close oh, this. At least it was only 15 minutes this time. Oh, my God. Sure. Season three has been hell. Okay. Well, what do you say we just get things going right away? Yeah. All right. Live from KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this is Arcade Radio. Season 3, Episode 4 
of the Arcade Radio Podcast. I hope you all can hear us. Today is Thursday, November 29th, 2018. The time is now approximately 7.36 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in Arcadosphere. This is your host, Adam Stephen Van Zant. I am joined by my co-host, Mark, time running with the Night Shields. And tonight, the guest host of Arcade Radio is Tesla enthusiast, amateur photo, photographer, technologist, programmer, and former Atari employee who created games like Atari Baseball, Battlezone, and Stun Runner. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Ed Rotberg. Welcome aboard. Hi, all. Well, now we have uh, the, the stream hopefully hanging up here. I'm seeing the wheel of death, but yeah, it's good to see you guys. So uh, normally what we do and here, Ed, is we talk a little bit about what we've been working on. Sure thing. And uh, that usually entails us talking about something in the hobby. So, you know, whatever you have going, that'd be great. Uh, Mark, why don't you kick us off? Give us a little example. Okay. Well, let me think. I was in Chicago Monday of Thanksgiving uh, week, and I shot some video for John from John's Arcade. And uh, we were with uh, also with Greg from Arcade Impossible. And we hit a couple locations up. It's pretty fun video. And it's coming out soon. So just, you know, stay tuned for that. And while I was in Chicago, I decided to pull the trigger and buy a Joust 2 arcade game. I got a pretty good deal. Joust 2 is pretty rare. um, Yeah, it's pretty rare. My wife likes it because you get to turn into uh, a Pegasus. Right. So so that's kind of nice. Careful Warrior. What's that? Careful Warrior. Yeah. Uh, so I've been having fun trying to figure out how to get it shipped back here. I had somebody that was going to drive up there, and then he uh, he uh, he just couldn't uh, make it because of the snow. I'm trying not to use words that are bad. <laughs> <I'm trying> to... <laughs> uh, like, yeah, you know, like, you let me use words that are similar, like witch out. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I, I'm dealing with that. And then yesterday... Somebody on Facebook posted an ad for some game machines, and game machines is, is I should probably not be revealing this, but that's like the keywords I use for people who don't know the word arcade. Oh, I see. It was five full-size arcade games for, and I just, they said, make an offer. I said, how about $500 for all five? And they said, okay, we'll be right there. Wow. Wow. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> I know. So what I got, I got a NFL Blitz 99 uh, monitor work. It's not booting, but that's okay. It's easy to fix. I got an NBA Jam, which works pretty much 100%. Uh, I need to get the red adjusted. I got a Mortal Kombat 3 and a Mortal Kombat 1 cabinet. Works perfectly. I got a Call of the Wild Buck Hunter. Um, It's not, yeah, I know. It's not shooting exactly, but um, I, I think that the... The display is dirty, and the brightness needs to be turned up. And then finally, I got a Street Fighter II Championship Edition in a Stargate cabinet that somebody cut the sides to look to make it look like a Joust or a Robotron. It's kind of weird. Huh. Um, that has a 25-inch monitor stuck in it somehow. Uh, oh. That monitor's not running, but that's pretty cool. I think I'm going to J-Rock that one. So I have a lot of projects. I did get the battle zone working that's behind me. I had to marry some boards together to get it going. It turned out that my board was pretty good, but the math board was not, and I finally found one that worked. Interesting. And I've, I really enjoyed it. Um, this, this, the only thing that really bothers me cosmetically about this cabinet is somebody with some red splatter paint 
sprayed it everywhere. And I don't know if that was like the thing in like 1986 or if, I don't know what was going on. Uh, somebody messing um, with the cabinet. Yes. Um, so that's that's pretty much it. But I I love me my battle zone. It, it is good times. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I've been having some troubles and woes with my multi asteroids kit, but uh, that's okay. I'll figure it out. It's just a matter of time. I had to order a couple of chips, and uh, I have to burn some some chips. So I dug out the old chip burner. Got her going on Windows 10. And, um, oh, Journey's back home with a fresh coat of paint. It's nice and blue back from the auto shop, so that's going to be kind of cool when it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I need to find someplace warm to finish it up. And then I might be selling some games. I'm thinking about selling my Pac-Man. That's signed by Billy Mitchell. <laughs> Aww. And my crazy- oh hey wait that was my Pac Man I know <laughs> you're gonna sell it are you gonna sell it to me for for the same amount I paid <laughs> well no, no. cause I did a bunch of work on it but you're welcome yeah, to buy yeah, it back no. with you know <laughs> here, yeah I'll sell it to you once I once I work my shipping uh, situation out I'll I'll see what we can do <laughs> and then I have uh, a couple of Atari basketballs I'm thinking about moving and uh, crazy climber cocktail and some other stuff uh, you know. I just have tons of stuff, and I need to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed, what have you been working on? Yeah. Um, so, as far as as my hobby goes, I have, I have mostly been working on one thing that's kind of interrupted everything else. Uh, I'm sure you know Adam and and uh, Mike know about this. That I just had a knee replacement uh, two knee? weeks ago, almost yeah, exactly. Oh. So I'm breaking in a new knee. So how was? So what was going on? Did the cartilage go away? What happened? Uh, yeah, I had uh, the knee had already been operated on three times. Uh, there was pretty much no cartilage left. Okay. And we knew this was going to happen at some point. It was just a matter of when. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's always fun getting older. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it beats the alternative. It does. My dad used to say that it beats the alternative. And I think that's the attitude you have to have. Didn't you just do a convention yeah. recently too? Did I do a, a con? Yeah. I I was up in, at the end of, or the middle of October, I guess it was. I was up in Portland at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Yeah. Folks up there are wonderful. Sweet. Uh, it's always a great time to get back together with some of the old gang. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be actually trying to put together an arcade-only panel next year. Cool. Uh, which was, as I told you before, I had to give Eugene a call yeah. or get in touch with him. Otherwise, that's what I was going to try to tap him on the shoulder for, see if he's interested in getting a trip to Portland. Yeah. Portland's kind of, uh, kind of a cool town. I like Portland a lot. Um, you got to be okay with rain. <laughs> um, but, but other than that, uh, it's a very cool town. I like what they've done with it in terms of their metro system, you can get pretty much anywhere you need to go. Uh, so I'm a big fan. It's always fun to go up there. That is, yeah. I mean, uh, well, uh, so you, you got a Tesla, you got a new knee, and you've been, <laughs> you've been, you're still active in the community, uh, you know, doing interviews like this. So we appreciate that. Well, thanks. I, you know, I still, it's fun, especially, uh, you know, at, at like I say, at the expos, it's nice when you get to see some of the old gang I don't normally get to see. Yeah. Uh, I, I keep rel- uh, relatively well in touch with a bunch of the old gang. And in fact, um, I have a to-do I put on up here every year in the foothills, uh, you know, which largely started out just being for 
members of the uh, of the video game business, both arcade and consumer. Um, you know, a, a golf tournament, and I'm probably going to be winding it down here for the next in the next few years. But it's been a lot of fun as a way to you know, keep everybody in touch with everybody. That's awesome. That's good to hear. So, uh, Mark, I think that brings us to the next segment of the show. What do you think? Oh, hi. It's the Arcade News with Adam Stevens. Oh, St. Paul, Minnesota, via hoodline.com, there is a new tap house opening up in my town, so I'm super excited about it. If you've ever, uh, if you got traditional American eats and games on your mind, a recent opening is a need to know. The newcomer to West 7th called St. Paul Tap is located at 825 West Jefferson Avenue. That's my dog. Sorry about that. Good boy. <laughs> It's a girl. So, and it's Christine and Lily coming home, I'm sure. So, welcome to the show. Um, offering six consoles, eight tabletop games, nine pinball machines, and 25 arcade games. Guests can appease uh, their kid at heart. So, the bar also features horse racing on Thursdays, bingo on Saturdays, and DJs Thursdays through Saturday. That's It's actually kind of a cool spin, and... Uh, it's kind of new to St. Paul, so if you ever come to Minneapolis, we have plenty of places for you to play games. The next piece I think is kind of interesting. Uh, there's this old video from 1975, so if you can picture the year being 1975, pinball machines, microwaves, and Pong topped the Christmas wish list. And Sears, then a retail giant, was the place in Dallas where you could buy all three. So this video is from... Uh, a, a, a station in, in Dallas called WFAA. And I just wanted to play a, a, a clip of it because it's, it's really interesting. So, Retail stores like Sears and Valley View Mall are jumping for joy this Christmas season. Customers may be cautious about what they spend their hard-earned money on, and they may be looking for bargains, but many are buying the expensive stuff this year, like the electronic games that attach to TV sets or one of three types of home pinball, ranging in price from $200 on sale to $700. Would people pay that much for a game? You bet. Salesmen say this stack of Pong games will be gone after four hours. Microwave ovens are a big hit this year, too. Oh, not to mention ovens. those electric kitchen gadgets that make that domestic work a little easier. Retail sales were bigger at Christmas time last year, but the Sears chain expects a last-minute rush in the next two days. So I had to play that because we have this little Black Friday thing going on. And, well, you know, it's, it's nice. Uh, they were doing the same thing back then. So the year was... 1975, the clip you just saw featured, you know, Pong and uh, and you could buy pinball machines. Is he, I mean, what do you guys think about that? You could buy a pinball machine for 200 bucks or, pre, you know, get it for 700. So. Considering my parents' house was like $11,000 back then, uh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of money. Yeah, I was up at college then, so it was a different thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> The other news item that I had, which I thought was kind of cool, is um, there's a company in Australia that's bringing, uh, it's called Euclidean, and they're preparing to bring 3D holographic tables. So think about, like, remember those pinball machines that were, uh, they weren't exactly regular pinball machines, they were like a cocktail version? So think of a table like that, except for it's got a holographic top, so time traveler combined with that sort of cool 
top. Um, I could mention that Star Trek three scene, but nobody's ever remembers those things anyway, besides me. <laughs> and then in the juke news, uh, you know, we have a little music news uh, for the fans of the show that like what's in the juke. And uh, Tears for Fears is auctioning off all their 90s recording equipment. So the band's frontman is having a huge clear out. And it includes uh, a Lynn drum machine, part of Tears for Fears' signature sound. And um, so that was probably used in the 80s as well. And then they pedal boards via... 90s. I'm sorry, what? Um, I, I feel like this should be their 80s stuff. That's when they wrote good songs. In the 90s, I don't even know what they did. Okay, but continue. So I might rip your throat out through the microphone because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of theirs. So it's kind of like why I put this in here, but now I'm a little hurt. So <laughs> thanks. Well, I couldn't wait. Thanks for just, so you know, saying, uh, you know, just thanks for making the band insignificant in their later years. Oh, no, really yeah, nice of you. Old yeah. equipment that they need to get. Rid of. <laughs> <laughs> they do a, a killer version of creep. If you've ever, if you've not heard it, it's fantastic. Um, so and they've done a couple of the covers of some modern stuff that's really cool. I just saw them at Red Rocks two years ago and they were fantastic doing new and old material. Uh, great band. So anyway, if you want to check it out, the the auction house is Gardener Holgate and it's UK. So it's G A R D I N E R Holgate H O U L G A T E. But uh, we'll post a couple links in the chat uh, later on and you can check it out. So. I think that brings us, uh, you know, probably to the next segment. Uh, Let me just try that again. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back back to the cave cave. with with Time Runner. Still getting used to this. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Don't let the DeLorean gullwing door hit you on the head. Because we're going back to November 29th, 1981, just a mere 37 years away. Wow. Yeah. Um, In arcade news back on November 29th, 1981, Jump Bug, the first scrolling platformer developed by Hoi, Corland, and (laughs) Alf Enshi. Oh, they did not pick easy names back then. They distributed it in North America by Rockola. There's a name that you can say. Under license from State. Uh, a crafty max bit kit. Well, hold up, added hold up a bug. second. I lost you for Correct. a sec. I lost you for just Did? a sec. Yeah. Can you can you repeat well, that? Can we do the whole thing? Well, right up where you said coincidentally. Coincidentally, crafty max bit kit has now added jump bug to its growing list of FPGA titles. Check it out at craftymech.com. Um, I'm going to read this other segment over here in purple. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, but I changed the keyword. Changed the keyword. He That's did? Right. Yeah. Well, then you read it. Tell, All right. So, so uh, in, yeah. in, in uh, celebration of Ed being on the show and of Jump Bug being recently released on Crafty Mech's Bit Kit, uh, I wanted to you know, announce that uh, we have a partnership with Paradise Arcade that we talk about their you know products quite often and they're and they run the show quite often so susan uh has given us permission that uh from right and she kind of runs the show over there uh from right now until tomorrow at midnight paradise arcade has agreed to extend their black friday 200 hundred dollar bit kit special to listeners of the show so that's pretty cool because then you use the code bump and jump uh on the website at paradise 
arcadeshop.com. That's paradisearcadeshop.com to purchase a bit kit, and you'll receive not only a bit kit, but a pack jama adapter to go with it. That allows you to seamlessly convert a Pac-Man or a Miss Pac-Man or a Pac-Man Plus to run 25 plus games in FPGA without modifying your game's hardware. And that's pretty cool because then you can you don't have to ruin anything. And if you ever want to sell the game, like if you want to sell your Pac-Man that's signed by Billy Mitchell, for instance, it won't be wrecked. You could just do it. So that's a $300 value, and they're letting uh, us offer that to you for $200. The Pac Jamma retails for about 100 bucks, and the Big Kit retails at about 199 currently. So uh, the Power Jamma adapter is like it converts pack harness to work with any Jamma setup, and the Big Kit is, you know, it's the Big Kit we've talked about. Right. Uh, let's, let's go back to that keyword that the the promo code sure did you say bump and jump i said bump and jump so b-u-m-p-n-j-u-m-p why, why did we pick that one well because susan picked it and i i, I you know I, oh. I asked her to do rotberg but she probably didn't know how to spell rotberg <laughs> so Most people don't. Dog, you know and am i pronouncing your name right is that correct yeah, that, that's fine. It's pronounced all different ways well how how do you is it i i originally thought it was rotberg yeah, that's German would be Rotberg, okay. Red Mountain. Okay, so I, I'm glad I, I asked because, well, how do you prefer? Do you prefer it Rotberg? Does everybody call you Ed Rotberg? Or? Yeah, everybody calls me Rotberg. That's what I've heard my whole life. So. Okay, well, that's interesting. That's what I'll answer to most readily. That's funny. <laughs> my last name's Coyer, two O's, and I uh, have to correct people regularly, but I go by Stevens on the show, so I just gave away my little gnome to plume. But Aww. Anyway, so uh, you were talking about uh, that you, were, you wanted to... 1981, Time Bandits was the number one film at the box office. British fantasy film was co-written, produced, and directed by Terry Gilliam. George stars Connery, and uh, Adam's going to play you the, the terrible voiceover commercial, but luckily I found one that's only 30 seconds. Go for it. All right, here we go. What happens when former Beatle George Harrison brings together John Cleese, Sean Connery, Shelley Duvall, Catherine Hellman, Michael Palin, six little people, one little boy, two living gargoyles, a giant, an ogre, Napoleon, Robin Hood, a supreme being, an incarnation of evil, 12 cowboys, six flying cowheads, and a device for tripping through time? Answer, time bandit. I think they thought that if they had a man like with a crazy, happy, funny voice like this, that you would want to go see this movie. The movie has nothing to do with this guy. <laughs> no, it doesn't. One week from tonight. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I am a huge fan of Time Bandit. Love it. I don't. I don't know. Great, great movie. Uh, that's fantastic. All three of us love it. So, uh, chatters, tell us, uh, do you love Time Bandits? Uh, it'd be fun to know. And Mark, go on to your next, you know, segment. Right, so this same day, there, uh, the best thing on TV, and I, I'm using that term. I really shouldn't say best. Kind of the goofiest <laughs> thing. Lonnie Anderson was in a TV movie that night uh, playing a flapper, and the name of the, sh- the movie was Sizzle. Sizzle? Yeah, Sizzle. I don't know if that was her nickname. I don't. I didn't go and look. Um, maybe she had Sizzle. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> they played it on television one time, and then never played it again. And uh, it, you know, they did not release it on DVD. But um, it's funny how they kind of throw stuff out there, like, "Well, nobody's watching now. It's Thanksgiving. It's all over." So anyway, yeah, but, but people oh, were but, watching then because that's the only they, thing that was on. Well, Play that little ad. It's kind of cool to hear the announcer from ABC. Okay. Uh, Here we go. 
One week from tonight, she was a small-town girl on her way up in the big city until they killed her boyfriend and framed her. But she came back, beating them at their own game. And doing it with Sizzle. She is not singing. The girl with Sizzle. That's the same announcer for Buck Rogers, by the way. Buck Um, Rogers. Yeah, so... 500 years ago. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We should look that, look that guy at. Yeah. You're roboting like crazy. So, uh, what was the, that was the best thing on TV that you could find? That was. But I do have a question. Oh, you do? What? What's in the juke? Oh. Hello and welcome to What's in the Juke. Wait for it. Wait for it. Is it done? All right. I think it is done. This is the part of the show where we play a little bit of song and people on the chat try to guess the song and then we score points and then don't give anybody anything for winning. <laughs> oh, my God. I... <laughs> are we sure we want All right. <laughs> we got you. So we are. Okay. Um so, Ed, you know how this works. Our, our chatters are going to guess the clip of the song we put yep. together. Uh, do we give them any hints on this, Mark? Or are we leaving that out until the end? So we don't tell them what, what time slice we took it from? It's the same date, November 29th, 1981, necessarily in any particular order or, okay. you know, top 40 or things that were dropped off or came on to the top 40. You know, it's just, it's just All right. that. Here we go. Uh, the first track. You think that's enough? I do. I think they made that movie. Uh, did you see the scene? Like they rebooted it with, uh, uh, with some other guy? No. Try not to use his name. Uh, the some well, other guy. Brian. They rebooted MacGyver. <laughs> I like how they think it's a Peter Cetera song. It kind of sounds like it, it actually. It does sound Chicago ish. Oh, yeah. Dave from Buffalo is in with Arthur. That's, uh, that's a right. point. Yeah, it's the theme from Arthur. Uh, I think Dave gets that though, right? So who sang it? That's the other question. Full point. Well, no, it's a half point to Andy Baldwin. Half point. And a half point to Dave from Buffalo. Half point. All right, does that sound good? All right, so the next track, here it comes. (laughs) Ed is like, can I answer? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's, all right. that's funny just to hear the song. Yeah, I know. It is funny. <laughs> and we have, oh, centerfire Andy Ballman gets the whole shebang. Can you believe that? Yes. That's awesome. That's Full point. For Andy Ballman. Okay, here we go. Here's the next. kind of bitter about this because <laughs> you know it's very Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Willem Dafoe yeah exactly just if you don't know just guess Willem Dafoe <laughs> yeah Journey Steve Taki is in the uh, right. Journey man and don't stop believing for Andy Baldwin so that means a half point for Andy Baldwin right half point. and a half point for um, 
Steve Hockey, thanks for being in the show tonight. That's awesome. Okay, next track. Okay, the first three tracks. Arthur's Theme by Christopher Cross, Centerfold by Jay Giles, and Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Here comes the next one. Oh. <laughs> classic. It is a classic. It's fantastic. 1981. Wow, it was awesome for music. It was. I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's the police. That is correct. Steve Taki is in there with the police again. Man, he's in with a half point. Half point. But what was the song? And let's see if anybody gets it without having to play another clip. I see Andy Baldwin got it. I think he did. Every little thing she does is magic. That is correct by the police. All right, the next track. <laughs> no, I can't get that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be careful the very first thing she says is the name of the track <laughs> i know so i'm gonna play a little bit more. <laughs> i love this song so much yes brian frober's in the game and so is steve taki steve taki is killing it tonight check this out half point for steve and a half point for half mr point. brian frober Check it out. Steve, you're going to have to learn to type it all in one sentence. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so that was Sheena Easton with uh, For Your Eyes Only. Uh, we'd play more, but we keep getting flagged. It's terrible, especially if you play Journey or Steve Perry. Yeah. They shut your channel down. It's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> The Relfords are not in this tonight. I don't wonder where they are. They must be I, just. I think Dolly's in the hospital. I think she had some uh, some work done. Oh, so no. get well soon, Dolly. Some work done, like she had a facelift or no, no. <laughs> bodily maintenance. Yeah, my uh, fiance just went through a full hysterectomy. Not fun. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah, six weeks of healing time. That's good times. She's actually doing really well though. So. Thanks for asking. That was Quarter Flash with Harden My Heart and Andy Baldman uh, right behind Brian Frober, right behind S1500, who got both of them. I think S1500 first. I think he got all of Yeah, Ryan, you got it. Full point. So S1500, you're out there. Okay, here we go. He's on the board. Okay, the next one. This is a hard one. Yep. I love that song so much. Yeah, the intro doesn't get a lot of play. It's it's fantastic. Play a little bit more here. Oh wait, Ryan, Hall and Oates. And he got the, the title. Wow. Half point. Half point for both of them. All right, next song. Here we go. It's sweaty listening to that. I know. I feel like a fat guy with a aerobics outfit on. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I do because I'm a fat guy. And I... <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh, my God, Ryan. Ryan, you did it. You got the full, full point. point. Am I right with that? Yep, I see that. Uh, really close behind. Uh, new listener, Jeff. Jeff Hagedorn. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, we could talk about him later. Okay, here we go. Here's the next one. Oh, 
you know, that's pretty cool. Greaseball's back in there. Oh my God, Greaseball, welcome to the show again. I haven't seen you in ages. I'm, I'm loving the chat tonight. We have Brian Frober, Ryan, Steve's Hockey, Greaseball, Andy Baldwin, Brian Frober. I already said his name, didn't I? It's, it's just fantastic. Jeff Hagenorn. Yeah. Greaseball's giving me tips on how not to wear sunglasses. <laughs> the reason why I don't wear, sunglasses, wear sunglasses is so that I can look down, but I'm still appearing to look towards the camera. Oh, oh. yes. It's very clever. Okay. Who got the who got it? Prying eyes? No, it's not. It's prying eyes. It's so you it's, should get some of those glasses that look like eyeballs looking straight ahead. <laughs> so Andy Baldwin. Brian almost has the title. It's just So Andy Baldwin gets half point, half point for the title, Private Eyes, and Ryan gets Hollow Notes for half, half point. That's unfair. Okay, here we go. Last track. <laughs> That's all I'm playing. <laughs> I'm not playing anymore. That's the end of the show. <laughs> I love rap. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> all right, stop. <laughs> Queen under pressure. And who was first? It was Steve Taki with the band and Andy Baldwin with the song. So half point, half point. for each of those guys. What do we got? So Andy Baldwin came in first place with three and a half points. Steve Taki in second with two and a half. Uh, oh, actually, uh, Ryan was second with three points. Wow. Third place, third place was Steve Taki with 2.5. And Dave from Buffalo and Brian Fober coming up the rear with a half point each. Wow. I just want to say that was a really fun and, and close call. It was, I, I think it was really good. I'm, yes. I'm impressed. I, you know, I, I, I bet the uh, our listeners enjoy being able to hear it. I, yeah, I think they do. That brings us to the next part that we really love, which is the interview. Oh, everybody, welcome to the show. One more time, Mr. Ed Rodberg. How are you, or How are you doing, Mr. Rodberg? Ed is fine. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm doing okay. People call my dad Mr. Rodberg. I'm exactly. I'm Ed. Okay, lay off. I'm going to kick off a question here. It's a three-part question. So tell us a little bit about yourself, which you kind of have a little bit, but tell us again a little bit about yourself, what you are into these days, what you do, and uh, do you still enjoy the recognition for all the, the games you've been working on? Your whole life? Um, okay, a little bit about myself. Um, I am uh, married and living in uh, a small uh, old gold mining town in Northern California, somewhere between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. Um, we live you- up here, especially... Now that we've started to get some rain, oh, good, good, um, yeah. And uh, what I do with my time now, since I've retired a few years ago, um, is uh, I am into photography, uh, raising a, a heli and Weimariner. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I pretend to play golf at times, oh. and uh, I'm now uh, very much into driving my uh, Tesla, brand new Tesla. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a a little bit laid up uh, trying to recover from a, re- a knee replacement here. So, Oh, well, we hope we wish you a, a fast and quick recovery on that. And uh, it's, it's going well. 
That's good. And I, and I love that you have a Tesla. What's your favorite part about your Tesla right now? Favorite part about the Tesla? Gosh, I mean, there's so much to like about it. Um, <laughs> Not buying gas, right? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, every time I drive by a gas station, I happily wave at everybody pumping <laughs> gas. But, you know, it's not, I don't look down at, at gas automobiles. I mean, they are what they are because of where we've come from. Sure, yeah. Um, but we've got a way forward, and as long as, uh, as you know, the wrong parties don't stick their fingers in the, in, in the throw wrenches into the sockets, um, you know, this is... <laughs> Where we'll be headed. It's just the right way to go. That's fantastic. So uh, interesting thing. I, I, I mentioned off the air that uh, you're kind of off the grid, which is interesting. We were thinking about writing a Wikipedia page for you. And I don't know if you want to be on Wikipedia or not. But yeah, the, yeah, apparently I was at one time, and then they pulled down. I, most of this stuff goes on, and I have no idea. <laughs> the other thing was is that we find a list of your games on IMDB, which is kind of weird because it has really nothing to do with movies, but it's a really cool comprehensive list. So I'm going to just rattle off these games really quick, and then I have a question. I might for you. be able to tell you why, but okay. Okay, so why it's on IMDB? I don't know. Great <laughs> agent or something. So no, you have been uh, you have a you had a wide uh, career in video game development, starting in 1979 officially with Atari. Uh, so Atari Baseball in 1979, Battlezone 1980, Gridley 1983, Snake Pit 84, Hat Trick. And I know you weren't like involved with programming all of these maybe or you were a contributor, but I'm just going to kind of list them off here. Hat Trick, Gully Ghost, Sente, Mini Golf, Name That Tune, Spiker, Blasteroids 87, Hard Driving 89, Stun Runner 89 race driving 1990 of course a sequel to hard driving and then shoes rampart uh steel talons guardians of the hood killing time wwe crushed hour and blazing angels of all things which is a fantastic game uh long career in in coin up video games so uh, of those things that i just kind of rattled off do you have any that stick out you know what? Wow, I, I will say a lot of them I would have like one small part and then I get get credit for it. So sure. I mean, you talk about Rampart, uh, yeah, don't give me credit for Rampart. You know, <laughs> you know I might have had something to do with some part of it somewhere. Yeah, um, like a that, bug that fix that or something maybe. In Ralston, you know, sure. The, 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 I have the utmost respect for those two guys. And I'm um, sorry, could you repeat their names just so everybody can hear them? Uh, John Solwitz and Dave Ralston. And they were the uh, they, developers for that game, so. Yeah, they did 720, they did Cyberball, they did Rampart. Oh, Cyberball. I'm missing some here. They did the Paperboy. Sweet. Um, you know, uh, these these guys are just fabulous. Awesome. So, uh, Atari Baseball, really, your first, your, you know. That was my first game. I, I had just come to work at Atari, and they, uh, you know, the, the, the hot game coming out of Atari, right, at that point was uh, football. Uh, with you know, with the track balls and the roller top, yeah, and they wanted yeah. to have a conversion kit for it for baseball, so that was a three month project. <laughs> uh, three months that seems rather quick. Well, back in those days, I mean, you were writing like two or 4K a code of assembly language, oh. so um, yeah, you know, it was then you know, it was a different, different world back then, totally <laughs> different world. How did you get your job at Atari? That's actually kind of a, a, a funny story um, that I don't tell a lot of people. <laughs> I, I had been, you know, living in Chicago, working for GD Zero Pharmaceuticals, and just getting generally 
fed up with being where I was doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'd been talking with friends about, uh, you know, maybe I should just pick up and emigrate to Australia. And then, and one of my pals bought, brought me back, you know, documents on how to emigrate to, to Australia and stuff like that. And, and, and then one of my friends uh, just lapped in for World Magazine because I was always programming our computer at the lab I was working at the time to play different games and such. And so she slapped down this mag magazine in front of me, InfoWorld on there, forget it. it. said, looks like Atari's looking for programs. Sounds like you. And so on a lark, I sent in a, a, an application, a resume, and uh, then I got called by a gentleman at Atari, uh, Stephen Calfee. Okay. And uh, at the end of the thing, he says, yeah, well, I'm going to be flying out to your area. Would you be up for an in-person interview? And then I met him at an in-person. That was kind of funny because he was he had flown into, I guess, to Chicago, which is where I was living and working in that area at the time. And uh, and he had a room at a hotel there, so I showed up at his room for the interview, and I'm wearing a suit, you know. This is what you do. You're a programmer back then. And... Uh, you know, he opens the door and he's wearing blue jeans and a, and a golf shirt and something like that. And I, the first thing I do is I think what got me the job is I take one look at him and say, thank God. And I rip off my suit jacket and my shirt. My, <laughs> and, nice. and, and he started laughing at that point. He said, yeah, you may, may have a future here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, you know, I, I know you talk about uh, Atari baseball being your first game that you know that you got paid for right so right did you develop you know games before you were hired by atari yeah i mean you know they not so much i mean i you know would uh do things like uh you know the first one i did was when i was in college i did a a basic program playing uh blackjack that couldn't be beat and then it would advance to other kinds of games that you'd hear about and see about and uh, for my uh, senior project in computer graphics, I did a lunar lander project. Oh, cool. Lunar lander program. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, that was, uh, there's a whole long story about that, too. And the, who, the, who, the, who the, the teacher for that, uh, that class was, a very, fairly famous person in computer graphics. But that's kind of an aside to the whole story. Sure, sure. Um, uh, so, yeah, I would program games. And, uh and like I said, I would I would be programming the Xerox Sigma Seven to play Mastermind or some other current hot game that would come out. Just a, you know, kind of fun thing for me to do for myself. And those were things that you were you know courses that you were taking in college, and you know you just yeah, or just spare time when I would get sure. time on the computers in college. Uh, you know, if if I could do my work fast enough, I'd have enough hours left over to run on the mainframes and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. and then once once you get in with the right group of people. You can grab time on different machines as long as you're facile with them. So yeah. that was that whole thing. Oh, I got a question now. You mentioned computers at college. Which computers did you have in college? What do you mean did I have? Um, well, which ones did you have access to, right? Well, uh, we had access to um, PDP-8, uh, PDP-9, and uh, and then we had a, a IBM 360 mainframe uh, at the campus for the mainframe work I was doing. That's awesome. Um, so that's, those are the primary ones. Um, you know, there were a few off things here and there that people would ask me to look at, but sure. that's not it. That's kind of cool. I mean, I mean, the stuff that you had to work with is pretty primitive. So it, I'm sure that you, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I doubt many of your, your viewers out there actually worked with true core memory. And that's, <laughs> that goes back ways. <laughs> 
That's fantastic. You guys should look those up on the internet. They look, you know, they fill rooms, these computers, you know, so. The memory would fill rooms. <laughs> and the discs, they were huge. They're like, they were like washing machines. Right. Yeah. yeah like a, you know, tabletop platform or, you know, so that, that's pretty cool. So. Or, or then, then trying to actually uh, read magnetic tape by putting, uh, by putting on the, uh, um, this special liquid, one brand was called Magnacy, and it would, you know, the magnets would lie up to the impressions on the tape, so you could physically read a, a bad tape oh, that got mangled somehow. So that was a cool thing, primitive wow. technology. That's fantastic, though. I mean, in a way, it was kind of fun, though, because everything was a little simpler. So maybe fixing things was, you know, a challenge, but still a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, Mark, you had a question? I did. Uh... Can you tell us uh, some some of the people that you worked with alongside at Atari? Yeah, that you sort of have fond memories of. I'll tell you, my my stints at Atari were working with the 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 most creative, most talented, most inspiring people. Uh, I had worked with throughout, and I, I worked with a lot of wonderful people throughout my career. But that group was really special. Um, people like Ed Log and Dave Toyer, um, and as I already mentioned, John. Solwitz and Dave Ralston. Um, these were heavy, heavy hitters as far as game programming, game design. Um, but, you know, and th- there were a, a whole lot of other, you know, wonderful people who I worked with over the years. Owen Rubin and uh, yeah, uh, certainly a, a name a lot of people should be familiar with. And um, Mike Alba. I mean, I, where do I start? Where do I stop? <laughs> right. Did you, really did, the question. You kind of kept... They're, they're all, you kept a lot of these people close, though, even after Atari. And yes. I th- you had some, you, you, and I say these people, you kept a lot of your friends close. And you guys had some business ventures together, too, right? And recently. Yeah, we've been in a, some of us have been in a business with each other. Rich Adam, um, my oldest friend, of, and I have, were partners for years and years. And we went through a number of companies together. He actually um, moved uh, up to the foothills here when I did. And we started consulting from here. But uh, the most recent project we did was trying to put back uh, a bunch of the old-time uh, Atari folk. And uh, I actually had a game that was ready for production when the whole thing fell apart. Oh, no. It kind of crushes me that you know, I've got the only working copy I know about. And the only reason I have that is because it's on an Android tablet I refuse to update the OS on. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hear you there. So, uh, and you don't want, do, can you share with us what it, what that game was? The name is, is Draconis Rex, and it was a um, kind of a turn-based um, game strategy, flying, fighting, uh, just a different set of rules. Uh, it, it, it bore resemblances to, you know, uh, games where you build your character, but it also, you know, an RPG kind of thing, but not really. But you know, you would you would build up your dragons, but there was strategy and and different formations, and it borrowed some things from an old book game called Ace of Aces. I don't know if any of you remember that. I don't um, remember that. But it 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 was a latency proof game, and uh, you could play uh, you know with someone across the room or someone across the world. Um, it was really kind of cool in that regard, That's and it cool. was all fleshed out and working and. Um, you know, it was in beta test uh, when the company kind of just crumbled. Oh, that's too bad. And that was uh, yeah. something leisure or innovative leisure. Innovative leisure. That's right. That's cool. And that came from the original Atari logo. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, Mark, did you have something else you were going to ask? Because I, I was going to say something, but I thought you had something. 
Uh, well, I, I don't know how if these questions all fit together, but um, what, what were some of the games your colleague your colleagues made that you loved that you couldn't get enough of? Uh, well, asteroids. <laughs> ah. uh, start there. Uh, Missile Command and Tempest uh, were two two huge games, and then it it, it goes to where you know you, you what you call colleagues. I mean, um, although I didn't you know work uh, with uh, Eugene Jarvis, uh, uh, clearly uh, uh, Defenders, sure, and Robotron. I mean, are uh, two of the paramount games of all times. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, we would. One of the great things about working at Atari is they would bring in our competitors' games. <laughs> and, really, and, you know, you'd really get hooked on some of them. That um, kind of uh, vaguely, so, and they, yeah. they encourage that. I kind of vaguely remember a story of somebody at Atari being in charge and like telling somebody to go play Defender and whatever their score was, that would be their salary for the next year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that story, but there there are a lot of, of strange stories about computer games and uh, and and uh, using them for different things, uh, different now, kinds of betting you, and stuff. Yeah, you named Missile Command. Asteroids and Tempest were those all Ed Log? No, uh, in fact, Missile Command and Tempest were Dave Toyer. Oh yeah, Dave. To- oh, his name is Toyer. Yeah. I, I was Toyer. I was pretty pronounced a Tour. So Toyer. Okay. Yeah, David Toyer. Yeah, maybe you're related. Well, the interesting <laughs> thing about I, I, okay, so this is something I wanted to ask you about because I think Ed Log, yourself, and Dave were all sort of in the same camp, and I don't know if you were. I don't know if just the time period or or what, but you're kind of. Uh, and I may be going out on a limb here, but Missile Command, the story goes that some executive was on a plane, read a magazine, and had, like, Star Wars on the cover, and he's like, I want to make a game about nuclear war. And so he says, hey, Dave, I want you to make this game. And he says, no. And then he says, I really want you to make this game. And he says, okay, fine, I'll make it, but you can't win. Uh, and I think that's Missile Command, you know, fine. That teaches people nuclear war is not a winning game, right? So I think that's good. Also, his his nightmares about Tempest and all that, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, but yourself, uh, and we'll probably get into, into the games a little bit later here uh, that you were affected by, but, and, and Ed, I, were you all sort of against war games? That's, that's my question. I, no, not okay. at all. All right. Um, things that were clearly game. See, back, back then it wasn't a matter of this is real life. I mean, you look sure. at the first like tank game. Yeah. That's not real life. It's a right, game. exactly, exactly. You used to play cowboys and Indians and soldiers, and yeah. it was a game. Yeah, yeah. And so that's doing games about war and and combat and things like that. I didn't have a problem with doing games that showed graphic violence is a different thing. Sure. And we didn't have to deal with that. We couldn't show graphic violence. <laughs> so um, you know, eventually that became an issue, and right. eventually that became a bit of an issue for me. Like chiller. that's interesting okay cool so uh you know you guys had to come up with all these games you have you have all these colleagues that are making games you're making all these games right you have this you know this long list of games that you've been involved with and and there's these notorious stories about atari's brainstorming sessions well okay so i know and i don't want you to sugarcoat it because you know our audience is used to us you know not sugarcoating much so <laughs> but I, I i know from like okay so the, my first introduction to you ed was when i was watching 
my PlayStation One of all things, you did a video on there. You remember well, that? I think they did it. Yeah, they did a classic arcades pack, and I guess they had interviewed a few of us. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. I thought, what is this doing on here? <laughs> and I was and I was fascinated. And you guys were all talking about your games. It was really great. But I think you, I think that was the first time I heard about uh, Atari's brainstorming sessions and how they gave you a lot of. Um, Leeway, but can you describe what those were like? What those were like? I mean, in all the actual honesty. sessions or yeah. what came out of them? A little bit of both. Um, a little bit of both. All right, the actual sessions were wonderful. Um, you know, they would in, before that we would hold this off 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 site brainstorming session. Um, they would, and this was the best part of the whole thing. They would basically open it up to our whole, you know, division, the coin up division, sure. and say. Please submit any game ideas. If you need art help, you know, contact these artists, you know, whatever. You know, we're taking game submissions for like the next week or month. I forget what the time period was. And people would submit a bunch of game ideas. And then they would pick a bunch of people to go to the game storming sessions, somewhat based on their submissions, sometimes based upon their seniority. I mean, all the management would always go. Um, Their successes and things like that. And... If you, you know, were going, if you were chosen to go, you would always uh, choose to take some of the games that were, and champion some of the games that were submitted by other people in the company. It was, you know, your responsibility to go through those. And so you'd get up and you'd present the game. And and at the sessions, you know, there was, the one thing you couldn't do was make fun of someone's idea. You know, as long as you weren't making fun of their idea, you could make fun of the individual, you could do it. And there was all kinds of crazy stuff. But... Well, wait, know, wait, 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 wait. What, what kind of crazy stuff? Well, I mean, yeah, just a bunch of creative people in a room. I mean, getting carried away with ideas. I can't recall specifics. But, okay, okay, I mean, okay. Just let your imagination run. <laughs> to try to create fun, and you can't do that if you're serious. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, what was it? Okay, so did so you the brainstorming sessions? Who did? Like, and then, what what came out of that was basically this binder of approved game ideas and the game ideas would be approved by, you know, a group going through everything that was presented and then selecting the top 10, top 15. I forget how many they picked out, but the idea was for enough to hold us through production for a year. And, and, you know, that would not preclude people from coming up with their own idea and wanting to implement it. And this brainstorming session thing really did not live throughout the life of Atari CoinOp. Sure. It was only for a period of years. Okay. But, you know, that's how it worked. Somebody is asking in, in the chat about Atari hot tubs. What, is it, <laughs> was that a thing? There was a thing, yes. Uh, there was a hot tub at Atari um, when I joined, but I, I guess it was quickly removed thereafter, not because of me. Um, <laughs> I, I never spent any time in the Atari hot tub Although there are all kinds of Atari hot tub stories. Oh, yeah. So um, without knowing which story the individual is interested in, I don't know whether I know it <laughs> or can go into it. So <laughs> I, I, let's leave it at that. I love this guy. Ed, you are awesome. You're so political. And I think it's great. You must know stuff. Okay, so let me ask you really <laughs> at point. What? I got to ask you point blank. What was it like working for Bushnell? Did you ever have to interface with him personally or did you report to somebody who reported to Bushnell? Well, let me just... Uh, Is it Bushnell? State, state the situation here. Bushnell was going out of Atari, leaving Atari when I first got there. In 79? In 79. Okay, okay. Um, he, was, he was on his way out. But we got to know each other, and then he bought 
a company that I founded with three other guys from Atari called Vidya, and I did work with him for five years. Oh, fantastic. So, so, um, so yes, I do know Nolan. I just want to put the context in. Nolan is this incredible ball of innovative energy. Sure. Um, it never stops. Cool. Uh, and, it, and, I'm not, and, and the guy is an idea machine. Mm-hmm. But you also have to remember that, like, he's also mortal. And not every idea that comes out of Nolan's idea <laughs> is uh, the brain, excuse me, the idea that comes out of his brain is brilliant. Sure. Although he may believe so. Yeah. That's not the case. <laughs> Well, it's interesting. Yeah, you, I, I love Nolan. You, you, you know. I would love to uh, have him on our show at some point. But I, I remember a, a few years back, he was uh, he was uh, trying to bring a game called Ping uh, to market. And I think Sounds he had, like Nolan. Yeah, and it was you know it was the play on Pong. Um, exactly. But it had some different game elements, and and he want. I think that. It, he was really correct in the article I read. He was talking about how the thing that was missing in the arcade industry at the time, this is probably 10 years ago, is that people were not, you know, socializing. And hit, for him, I think uh, a big part of, you know, gaming is people getting together and socializing. And so he wanted to invent this new game called Ping, which was a play on Pong and uh, would would bring four players into the mix and, and have some interesting changes to the game. So I, I I could kind of see where he was coming from there. Uh, he's had an interesting career. So I just had to ask you about yeah, that. He has. Because, uh, you know, he became like the chairman for Atari, whatever, 2.0 or 3.0 or 4.0 or whatever it is now. You know, it's not really a, the Atari it was. but uh, No, it's not. But the brand is it's- there and they, you know, they wanted him as part of that face. So... But I, I appreciate you telling us what it was like. You know, I mean, because he's... He, but not just Bushnell... You yourself and all these guys were so innovative at the time with all these different games, you know. That well, but it was fresh ground. I mean, yeah. this was this was like you know someone suddenly in, inventing uh, Photoshop and throwing it in front of you, and and look what people are doing with Photoshop. So yeah, it's, it's just you know you can look back at the first stuff that was done out of Photoshop and go, oh wow, and that's kind of where we were. And it's it's interesting to me that there are people that still appreciate all that, and uh, I'm somewhat confused by it because I'll be honest with you, uh, what we did was very cool. What's being done now, and it's an it's I cannot tell you the difference of night and day. Sure. Uh, bec- with just the size of the projects, there's a number of people involved in yeah. doing a game back then and doing a game nowadays. Well, a game now is like a movie, right? You have. Yeah, well, certainly for the consoles, it, yeah. and, and they're just the thing is they're fabulous. Yeah. They're wonderful. They are, <laughs> and and uh, to to th- that is a different art form yeah. than what we were doing. What we were doing is more akin to what's going on in a lot of the mobile platforms. Sure, these days. sure. And uh, so uh, that's you're, why I think a lot of us, you know, gravitated in that direction. You're given a, a uh, set. You're given a set of restrictions and tools that you need to yeah. build upon. And um, with games like, say, I don't know, Uncharted for PlayStation 4, uh, there's a casting director. Yeah. <laughs> there's several creative teams. There's several different teams that work on different mechanics for the game. You know? Right. And, and for, like, yeah, for, for, for an iPad or an Android game, you are limited. And right. I, I think that's kind of how the coin-op divisions and home game, game divisions were. 
you know? Yeah, and well, the, as you say, the platforms were limited. Um, now, uh, you know, uh, most development takes place on cross-platform engines to, to leverage that, to, you know, get the greatest exposure. Um, and so you're limited in a different way, but every game is going to be limited by your platform, your resources, Sure. Um, and you know, time and money. You know, it's it's the the same old vicious triangle. In in some ways, you know, with the the simpler world of of the arcade games, you know, we had a very specific box. We were going to use it once, and maybe it would be reused once or twice after that. Mm-hmm. But by then, it was obsolete, and you were on to the next thing. In the arcade, you had more time to ex- expo um, explore that limited restricted space and get more out of it because the platform was around for five, 10 years. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so in, go ahead. Speaking of that expansion, I know that we're, we're all familiar with battles. We understand that Bradley tank uh, <laughs> came out, it, it, but were, were there any thoughts on making more games that, you know, sort of, use the same platform? Like, what else can I drive around? That kind of stuff. Um, is that, or is that just sort of a, you know, a one and done? That was a one and done uh, for a lot of reasons, not least of which, you know, do you really want to get involved in government projects and all that entails <laughs> with the government? <laughs> right. In? Hold on. My dog wants to be in your Hi, Bogey. Oh, Bogey. <laughs> that's a good, that's a great name for a dog, Bogey. It's actually Bogart, but we, we knew we were going to call him Bogey, and that yeah. works on three uh, levels awesome. for me. It works on the level of Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. It works on the level of you know incoming Bogey. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. being the miserable golfer I am, it's usually <laughs> So oh, that's good. It works for us. That's all good. <laughs> He's I want, a great golfer. If I come out to California, I'm going to ask to take you out golfing because we'll have a good time yeah I'm, I'm terrible at golfing but i love it you know my like I, I'm, I'm not particularly great at it either but i enjoy it too and i'm looking forward to getting back into it once i get my knees back yeah yeah fantastic yeah. so what's uh, that timeline exactly for your knees is it like a six month rehab or it's not fixed i mean it it it, it uh it varies with the individual but right. i should be you know pretty much I mean, here I am at two weeks, and I'm, you know, walking without a cane or anything like that. I'm limping around. I still oh, have a little post-op pain, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things I can't do. I, I'm not walking up and down steep inclines, which is where I live. Um, oh. But that'll come probably in the next week or two, and then it, it'll just get stronger over time. Um, so six months, I'll be back doing most anything I could before, um, but maybe only 80%. And right. then after a year, they say ninety percent to one hundred percent. So cool, not bad. Well, you, no, not you, you look like you're in good shape. So I think you'll have a, a more of a ninety to one hundred percent, you know, coming up in your life. I hope so. <laughs> so, uh, quick, quick question from the audience. Uh, Andy Baldwin says he'd like to hear you talk a little bit about Sente. So, who Sente. from Atari went there? Sente hardware and similarities of Atari boards, parts, etc. So. Right. So Sente. This takes me back to the point of talking about when I formed a company with some others out of Atari. That was Roger Hector and Howard Delman, and I left Atari in 1981. Okay. And we formed a little company called Vidya. Yeah. We did Gridley back then, um, and we did uh, for Gottlieb, and <laughs> I, we, I, did, we did a few other projects. We started looking into doing some uh, um, 
VCS games, but we also did some point of sales for uh, a company that was trying to get into like Floorshine shoes point of like a kiosk. Weird. Uh, doing laser disc stuff, and we were just doing general technology and and some games. And Nolan, who was you know coming uh, kind of out of his non compete with Atari, wanted to buy us. It was a jump start to getting back in the business. Funny. So he bought us and changed our name from Vidya to Sente. Which is another uh, move and go for those of you that Correct. don't know, right? So Atari like was a move. Chess. There you go. And uh, so he named us Sente and made us a part of Pizza Time Theater. Oh, Which we eventually were, when Pizza Time went under and was went into bankruptcy and was purchased by, I forget who it was. They were purchased by, they were purchased by Showtime. Uh, Showtime, Pizza Time, Showtime, right. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, our division. Showbiz, showbiz, sorry. Showbiz, right. Uh, Our division was purchased by Bally and we were then a division of Bally along with. Interesting. So Bally Sente. Yes. Interesting. Well, yeah. Bally Sente is exactly what it was. Which is, okay, that makes total sense now. I was wondering how that happened because. Okay, so there's a spin-off group. We always thought that it was a spin-off, but it really wasn't. It was you guys created a whole different company and Nolan came in and bought it. And then yeah. and then Bally bought Sente. So it was Bally well, we got Sente. Some, he had some engineering at at uh, at uh, Chuck E. Cheese, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we inherited some of that engineering. Yeah. So we grew at the same time we were purchased. And then Showbiz uh, decided that Chuck E. Cheese was a better brand, and they they stuck with the name. So they changed right. to Chuck E. Cheese Corporation or something like that. So it was CEC. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense now. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, uh, what was your favorite? Do, is there anything of your, you know, that while you were at Sente, was there anything that stuck out to you as like a favorite? A favorite. Well, one of my favorite games at Sente. It, it, it's kind of interesting. There were some really strange games that came out of Sente, like Snacks and Jackson, <laughs> is one of the kookiest games you'll ever see. Um, and then you know, Hattrick. Was probably my favorite. Patrick is very cool. Love it. And uh, you know, Lee Actor did that. And uh, the four—you guys probably never got to play the four-player, especially up in Minnesota. Boy, the four-player hat trick was awesome. It was late um, to the game, it was, though. It was just a little bit better than than the the two-player hat trick. Cool. Um, but the fact that you now had two people on each team just made a world of difference. Yeah, yeah. Very that's, cool game. That's awesome. Um, so those were two of my favorites. Um, the there were some in, fun, interesting stories about about Sente. That was that was a wild time. Uh, any particular story you want to share? <laughs> was there a story where a, like did a sack one ever fall on somebody? No, it's more <laughs> of a second. <laughs> All right, well, no, I'm yeah, gonna, technical. Give me a technical. I will tell you another one, and it's just kind of an in-your-face moment. Okay. Okay. Um, but. It, and only because it's an in your, it's like a perfect in your face. Um, okay. Uh, and it was, it was, I was at Sente at the time and I'm going to leave, I'm going to be politic here and leave the individual's name out. Okay. But there was an individual that, you know, started, uh, I went, you know, started at Atari just as I was leaving Atari. And then he was starting in a belly, I think just when I was, no, it wasn't belly. It was somewhere else. But um, we were at the CES uh, in in New Orleans when the the Sente what year convertible was this? arcade machine was first uh, uh, 
you know. Is this the sack one the with the white one. clamshell yeah. thing on the top? Yeah, yeah. yeah the Doesn't fit with a normal the big, door. The big launch. <laughs> right? Yeah. But this is like a separate thing. I'm in I'm in a, the hotel uh, hotel lobby where we were staying, and this gentleman comes down, um, and uh, and and I get on the elevator, and um, he's getting off. And he goes, "You're always seeming to go in the wrong." He says, "Hey Ed, you're always seeming to go in the wrong direction." And I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going because I just started Atari, and I had just <laughs> left Atari, and he just started, and that whole thing. And and I looked at him and I said, "Yes." I'm going up, and I. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> it was just an in-your-face moment. So I, I, there are plenty of other stories. I, I, I don't want to diss the individual involved, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, this is some smack talk. And the metaphor of the elevator there being nice. Yeah. It's very nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My. I'm just trying out some new sounds. So uh, let's talk Battlezone. Uh, there's some people All in the right. there's people people in the chat that really want to, and you know honestly, uh, there there, I'm a, I'm a fan of Stun Runner. I have questions about Stun Runner because I I'm mad <laughs> yeah. about Stun Runner in some ways, but I, I would rather talk a little bit about Battlezone. Um, so what was your involvement with the the creation of this this classic arcade game? Well, um, Morgan Hoff uh, was the project, actual project leader for that game. I was not. He chose it out of the brainstorming session. Okay. And he, you know, asked me if I'd be interested in doing it. It was going to be one of the first games we did that did 3D. Sure. And I'd, I'd had 3D experience in college. And uh, so I was like, yeah, this sounds like fun. I'd worked on... Uh, vector systems before the uh, lunar lander game i did at, at college was a vector system so this was like yeah you know i'm ready to sink my teeth into it I, this sounds like a ton of fun yeah so i you know basically from the basic idea of doing a, a 3d first person tank game you know with the vector generator that was i mean the game concept that came out of the brainstorming session was like about two paragraphs long so the design of the game was largely mine um, you know, people would add things here and there and suggest things. And the, obviously, like most good stories, a game evolves in the playing, just like a story evolves in the telling. Um, and, you know, there were refinements and things over time. Uh, Jed Marglin did the math code. And actually, I went to school with Jed Marglin at Michigan as well. Um, he did the, the math code at uh, for, for the... Uh, for the 3D stuff, uh, a clever idea of his to just, and so he implement, he he wrote the, the, the algorithms for it. Mike Alba wrote the uh, 2901 bit slice uh, processor code to, to implement it. And then we interfaced, Mike and I worked back and forth to interface it with the uh, the main 6502 CPU board. So, um, you know, that's, you know, how the game got built, basically. It was, uh, you know... Jed was the, the hardware engineer, and uh, uh, although Howie Delman developed the vector generator, it was then available for everybody to use. So we repurposed it for this game. That's cool. Gotta love it. <laughs> well, um, are there any elements that uh, had been in the game that were removed? Or, like, I mean, as it evolved, is there anything in there that you were like, well, well we had that in there, and then we got rid of it? Well, there was a Battlezone 2 that, no, typically you don't pull stuff out at the end. 
Mm-hmm. I see. Just trying to get into production. There was mm-hmm. there was something that we were going to uh, a couple of features uh, that we were going to put in in a future version of the game that never got made. Uh, one of which was that uh, the missiles that come and shoot at you would become a lot more frequent, but you would actually be able to see them launching. And if you could get to them and blow them up during you know like a five second launch sequence, you could save you get all the points and save any of the danger. Um, ah. So that was going to be, and then there was going to be another enemy and things like that but um that never that never came to be and guys i'm gonna put a 15 minute limit on this at this point yes okay okay. that's right that's cool that's that's where we're at where we want to stop yeah we're winding up too (laughs) all right yeah so we're cool with that so uh what was the what's the most common aspect of the game people ask you about regarding battles what's the most common thing they want like i mean we we hear the stories of people wanting to drive to the mountains they even hear people yeah there's you know that story there's you know you know was this a military did you develop it for the military you know oh the the army battles don't think i'll I'll give you the long and short of that okay Um, good good real quick as as i mentioned you know i've I am not a fan of war. Or I was not a fan of war. Yeah. I don't mind combat games. There is, you know, there's a certain thrilling stuff in combat and things like that. Um, I sure. think you can make it continue to seem a game and then make it be real life. And then there's the third one. Use the stuff to actually train people to kill. Oh, uh, yeah. I, su- I support our troops. Let me say that 100%. Yeah. But by the same token... I just didn't want to be part of that war machine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, well, this group of generals came to Atari and asked if we could repurpose Battlezone to be a trainer for the Bradley Infantry Fighting Vehicle, uh, sometimes called the IFV. Um, and uh, one gentleman that I talked to at Atari said, sure, we can have it for you. When do you need it? Oh. And they said, well, we're having this worldwide TRADOC meeting uh, in three months, can you have it by then? And wow. and this gentleman who will remain nameless said, sure we can. <laughs> and then he came back and he said, hey, I promised this. You can do this, right? Oh. <laughs> I said, I don't want anything to do with this. And we got into a long heated argument about this and management came in. And, and you know, I guess the promise had been made with these, you know, ex-generals and stuff like that. And I said, well, I will, I'll work on it, but I want the assurance that I... Well, they have nothing to do with any division, whichever works on military stuff, you know, in the future. You know, it's just not sure. what I want to do. Um, so uh, I basically lost three months of my life. It was not a trivial thing. I would I would basically go home to sleep, you know, say hello to my wife when I got home, kiss her goodbye in the morning when I left, and see her again, you know, uh, 18 hours later so you, or something. So you basically about it. redesigned Battlezone. Uh, repurposed. There was new hardware involved. There was, you know, all kinds of new features that had to be added. There were all kinds of new uh, vehicles and collision section had to be mm-hmm. completely redone because they had to work uh, realistically. It was no longer shells could just drive straight forward, you know, right. like Battlezone on this uh, no-gravity situation. Uh, yeah. or energy shells or whatever you want to refer to it. We had to do real physics. So there was a lot of other stuff going on. It's interesting because uh, Mark and I were talking a little bit before the show and, and Mark was saying, uh, and Mark, go ahead and correct me if I'm wrong, but there were more controls and all that sort of thing too, right? Oh, oh. yeah. So many inputs. I mean, yeah, I mean, was... I'm sure the new hardware had to take care of that too, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, that had all, there had to be hardware added to deal with it. There was the magnifier, which is basically just a switch that, 
you know, told us that the, the viewer had to be magnified. Sure. We'd do that. that was no big right. deal. Yeah. Uh, then, then there was the new controller, which was uh, basically similar to the Star Wars controller, except there mm -hmm. was uh, an additional set of switches that were not on the Star Wars controller. An additional either, actually, might have been two switches that were not on it. Uh, yeah. uh, two sets of switches that were not on it. Um, and so we had to be able to use all that and take advantage of all that. Uh, for the complex motion of, of both. Uh, there were there were three types of weaponry. There, there was uh, armor-piercing shells, incendiary, incendiary shells. Um, there was machine gun uh, that you could fire, as well as having a tow missile. Um, and so we had to emulate all of it. Did they actually get, get you access to a tank? To uh... Well, actually, yes, but we weren't able to drive it around and ah, sure. ordnance and stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun, but yeah. no, no, I actually did get to sit in, in, in the gunner's position in the uh, infantry fighting vehicle. Wow. Hmm. Well, that, you know, and, and it, it's a common question. People ask about the Bradley trainer all the time, and I think, yeah, how, they do. <laughs> how, how many of those did you make? There were two, to okay. my knowledge. Okay. Two of them made. Uh, I believe I know an individual as one of them. I do not have any idea where the other one is to this day. All right. Okay, so I, wanna... I know that there's pictures of uh, of a marquee that says that says Army Battle Zone. Yeah, that's what we called it back then. Okay. Okay. And then and then somebody somehow has the the bezel that says Bradley Trainer or something. There may have been you know multiple versions. I mean that sure. was like you know toss off art. Right. Right. So... I I, I kind of want to make make one. You know, make a third one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, to, you'd have to get. The yeah. hardest part would be getting the controller. That would right. be the hardest part by far. Um, if you did that and if you got in touch with the guy who has the one and you were able to duplicate the new boards and, and hardware on there with stuff that is long since obsolete. Right. Well, we would probably do something in FPGA and then just... Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that would be the way to do it if you, you know, if, if you'd have to work backwards and make reliable schematics, which I be surprised if they existed oh no yeah there'd probably be some some scanning yeah <laughs> I, I do want to tell you that you know a lot of our guests tonight in the chat are saying that they love battle zone so thanks for being involved with that it's pretty cool well thanks that's uh it, it's uh always uh uh, a little bit heady when people say that it makes me feel good. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Now I want to change the subject to something a little bit lighter, and I'm just going to say a word, and then I'd like you to you know expand upon it. And here it comes. The word is turtles. <laughs> yes, turtles. Uh, that that expands into a very long story. Well, give us uh, some of the aspects of it. How about that? Uh, all right. So to get to the turtle part. Uh, the, the long and short of it was we were the coin up the the engineering guys in coin up decided guys and gals in coin up decided uh, that uh, because uh, the coin consumer group had this you know huge marketing division that would spend tons of money on videos and things like that promoting their stuff we were going to put together our own video quote promoting unquote you know Atari games and stuff like that and one of them was and it was actually filmed during the during the programming of the Bradley trainer so okay. um, um, they had uh, uh, rigged up this classic arcade game with golden sides and everything like that and they got Ed Law to replace all the spaceship graphics the, the saucer graphics and stuff with turtles floating this around. is asteroids 
This is asteroids. Okay. Um, and so we did a sort of like a, a, a Ralph car, you know, car salesman sales pitch to try to sell this beautiful <laughs> deluxe edition Turtle Roids game. Turtle uh, as part of this, <laughs> as part of this uh, marketing coin-up marketing video. Uh, of course, the thing was filmed like two in the morning, and they had to find someone to read through the script to do this. And I was around because I was around all the time. <laughs> I was living at Atari, so it was a you know half asleep, sleep deprived individual doing this crazy rant trying to sell a, like it's a used car a video game <laughs> wow. so that's a short story all right so but there was a an executive that didn't like your idea of this turtles game of, or something right really um I, i'm i'm trying to i don't recall that part of the story okay okay uh, <laughs> that's right but I've, i actually would love to f- come up with the roms for turtleoids so you know so if you could tell uh, ed. talk to ed log <laughs> <laughs> all right well he actually probably he probably has the, the if i know ed he probably has the the ROMs on floppy disks somewhere, <laughs> right. as well as a paper listing of the code. <laughs> It'd be fantastic. Okay, so you got to put me in touch with that because I think it'd be great. <laughs> well, I know that isn't how it ever works. No, um, sorry. People are always asking me when they get in touch with me. Hey, can you get me in touch with so and so? And I will say I will be happy to pass along your contact information. That sounds great. Let them know who you are, why you want it. <laughs> do that, and there are no promises. Um, Actually, you know, you know, you know, like he wants to get back back in touch with touch with you. If you want to send a little letter, that might help convince him. I would do that. That's, that's as far that. as I would. Okay, go. that sounds good. That sounds I, good. I I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't mean to overstep my boundaries. I'm, uh, <laughs> no, you're not. I mean, it's that's good. The way it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I mean, it would be great to talk to everybody at Atari at some point, especially, you know, I'm excited about uh, some other people that I've reached out to. So, uh, you know, and I, and I will, uh, and I'm hoping that we get them on the show. Uh, we want to have more women on the show, too, because, uh, you know, well. It's mostly yeah, it's absolutely mostly a guy thing, but there were some uh, pretty uh, uh, influential women at Atari that we would love to have on the show, and I've reached out, so we'll see how that goes. And and Donna, uh, I assume Don is one of them. Yeah, Don is one of them. Of it, course, you know she's great. Centipede man, I mean, like that's such a good game, right? So, yeah. Uh, and and there's some others that worked in not just you know in the home game division that uh, that I think deserve some recognition as well. So. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and a, make, you know, like there's, there's just, you know, we, you know, you guys know what it's like where it's kind of a sausage fest whenever we do this, but it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It, is, it is. Don't get me wrong, but you know, you go to these arcade uh, conventions and you know, it's a bunch of dudes and I, I love the dudes, but uh, you know, we're, we're all about, at some point we're going to do a show about, uh, uh, the women in in our lives who put up with our collecting, which I think, you know. Oh, my wife is fabulous, and I have to say, my my daughter in law is beyond spectacular. She has her own Adams Family pinball machine. Oh. She is she is a a true games person. Uh, That's probably fantastic. far beyond me. So <laughs> may, maybe for the oh, awesome. maybe for the end of the show, we should ask you: Do you have an arcade collection? I do. I no longer have an arcade collection. I oh. they have about five games. Wait, what were those five? Well, yeah. what, well, I'm trying to remember now. Let's see. I had uh, a um, a baseball game. Oh, for I sure. had a shoes game. Um, I had a stun runner game for a while. Oh, that's okay. fine. 
Yep. Um, and I have my Battle Zone game, and I had another game, and I'm, I'm, for the life of me, for, it's, it's slipping my mind, it was the first game that I got rid of. Okay. <laughs> was it Gridley? Right. Because Gridley is a pain in the ass. Gridley, oh, no. No, no, it wasn't Gridley. It was not Gridley. <laughs> that game is hard as nor hell. Was it, nor was it a Sente box, which would have been cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I want one so bad. So, I, I'll, I'll open a bigger hole in my house to put it in here. So, uh, real quick, were you heavily involved with Gridley's uh, development? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the the game was one of the... We presented three games to Gottlieb and uh, Game Concepts, and that was the one that they chose for us to implement. There were some basic flaws in it. It's really, um, it's the, really the difficult. The I, you know, I complain about is, you know, always having to split your eye level oh, uh, yeah. between high and low. It's, it's bad enough when you have to do it left or right, but high and low is really hard. If you guys want to try it out, it's at archive.org. Just look up Gridley, G-R-I-D-L-E-E, and it's stupid hard. It's not a great game. (laughs) But it's kind of interesting. I think it's very interesting. I mean, uh, it's always interesting for us to talk to people that were involved with, you know, making these these fantastic games. So, um, yeah, uh, thanks for being on the show tonight. It's been fantastic. Well, it's it's been enjoyable meeting and talking with you guys. So, uh, yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so uh, we'd like to, you know, you know, round up with you a, a little bit after the show just to say thanks. But uh, I think, you know, right now this is the time we're going to, you know, get into a little bit of shutting the show down. What do you think, buddy? I think so. Let's talk about Phoenix Arcade's Darren Jacob is going to join us in two weeks to talk about his success in the arcade artwork business. So turn it, tune in on December 13th to chat with a man with arguably the highest quality customer service and art in the business. I'd agree with that. And also, are you tired of LCD panning panels messing up your duck hunt game? Oh, man, I totally am. I know I am. Uh, Jeff Keecher, the inventor of a project called Modern Mallard, will be on December 27th, two weeks after Darren, with guest host Brian McLeod Armitage as well. Nice. So that should be that fun. That smart. He's smart. I think he's a surgeon. I think <laughs> By day, he's a surgeon, an uh, orthopedic. Oh, yeah. hey, well, by the way, Ed, he's an orthopedic surgeon. So if you want any advice, we got it. We got an in. That's right. We got an arcade guy that does that. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening in on the Double R. That's Arcade Radio. Yeah, you can find it at Facebook slash Arcade Radio or ArcadeRadio.com. You call and leave comments and questions on the game line, even if you are Bob's. Bob Zarzadek at 612-548-GAME. And follow us on Facebook. Um, did I already say that? I think I did. No, nope. no, you haven't. Yeah, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and, and SoundCloud, right? Or you can subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. It's just one click. Actually, it's two clicks. Subscribe, and then you click the little <laughs> notification bell. And all that. Actually, it's like three or four clicks. It's like, uh, I know. Okay, please well, do. That's going to be it for the show from Arcade Radio Team. We hope that you had a great time. So... That sound good? Did we do good? All right. Good. Here's with that music that where we walk out of the door.
Sometimes I just kill it and do this, Ricky. Oh, no. <laughs> show is over. We're off the air. Thanks, Ed, for being on the show. Thank you, sir. Did he dump already? No, let's see. I think he's gone. He did. He took off. We didn't even see it. <laughs>